0: Hi folks and welcome to this week's edition of the Gersnet weekly podcast, the independent Rangers podcast that is made by fans for fans where the content is free If you've listened to the pod before, we would encourage you to subscribe if you haven't already. And uh, we would also... Uh, actually, put the word out there on social media. Uh, social media, excuse me, and get the word out there that we're here. Uh, the podcast is live at the moment. Uh, we're live on YouTube, and you can comment in the, the comment sections of YouTube. It's, it's interactive. But after we're live tonight, the, the pod is available to stream or download on a, ve- uh, a number of platforms, including Acast, iTunes, YouTube, Castbox, Stitcher, and Spotify. Uh, so we'll get straight into a very, very dramatic uh, day today at Rugby Park. Last minute winner for Rangers, three points after it looked like we'd sort of snatched a draw from the jaws of a victory. Uh, we managed to get that last minute goal. So we'll get right into that. We'll have a look at the Commander game today. We'll also have a wee look at the uh, the progress game on Thursday. There, uh, a wee preview, sneak preview to the Hibs game next week, and plus a couple of wee uh, sort of things that happened through the week, like the you know the fabricated. A bid for Alfredo Morelos and a potential move for Glenn Middleton to Hibbs, apparently. So we'll have a wee discussion about that. So we'll get right in about it and I'll get on to our guest introductions joining us this week. We've got John McCallum. How are you, John? I'm
1: well, Colin. Thanks.
0: Yourself? I'm um, not bad, not bad. A bit of a frustrating day today. I'll go into it a wee bit later on uh, with you know, my sky going down, so I missed a big chunk of the game. But uh, I suppose the result is all that matters. Yourself, how are you?
1: Yeah, I'm good, I'm good. I spent yesterday in the Garden in the Sunshine, doing the garden, listening to the ashes. Uh, last night I had a delicacy, which most of you probably never heard of before, a thing called a guga, which is a gannet. A guga? A guga. Okay. Like a I uh, had that for dinner last night, which was great. And um, then today I got to watch football. So, yeah, it's been a pretty good weekend.
0: You also spent yesterday trolling me on social media about my... Uh, I- junior football team that I go and watch with, did you not?
1: I, 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 I made a, a genuine inquiry. <laughs> junior nah, football ge- team that seems to be based 500 miles from the coast had a picture of a boat in its badge. And you yes. some sort of offence in
0: that? No, 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 no. I never took offence to that. I, 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 uh, I responded to said inquiry and informed you that, you know, the ground's right next to the canal. And it's obviously, in years gone past, it was a busy canal with trade and all that kind of thing. And you made a, a, a slanderous comment about, you know, well should it be was it a supermarket trolley, you know, because a supermarket
1: that, trolley I felt was more appropriate as an emblem rather than the Viking longboat. <laughs> <laughs> just Justin, another genuine inquiry. How do you actually pronounce that team? Camelin. Camelin. So it's not Camelin.
0: Not Camelon, it
1: Camelon my entire life.
0: Well, uh, you do get different uh pronunciations, but people the, the locals refer to it as Camelon aye, or Camelon. Uh, but I, aye, I, aye. so I've aye, they've, they've got the young boy, I can't remember his name, I meant to look it up today. They've got the young boy, uh, in golf, they? they took him on loan, he's having a bit a bad way yet, to be honest. He conceded seven last week and he let one in yesterday that was an absolute howler, so he said he's had a a rough start, to his Camelon career, but I'm sure, he'll, I'm sure he'll come good. He's
2: probably
1: put off with that badge. He'll yeah, probably. Him. Why the probably. hell do picture of a boat in this
0: badge? <laughs> well, trust me, at the back of the stand, there's a lot of boats moored up at the side of the canal. But there we are. Uh, and also joining us tonight, we have a deputant uh, to the Net podcast. It's
2: David Wren. How are you, David? Hi, Colin. How you doing? Very well, very well. How are you? I'm all right. I'm okay. Um, I thought just after months and months of you begging me to come on, I thought it was <laughs>
0: I didn't beg. I I just <laughs> I just went down on one knee and proposed. <laughs> no, but it's it's good that you finally come on. Uh, and uh, are we allowed to reveal what team you support? Um, that's well,
2: kind of
0: obvious now. I as I as I. <laughs> so is 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 that is that what it feels like? does it feel like you're coming out now? Well. <laughs>
2: um, <laughs> no, 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 no. Weekend.
0: I, why would <laughs> no, I thought I'd thought I would try and get one over Scott Brown, you know what I mean? Because he seems pretty keen on that whole thing, did not he, all of a sudden? So, no, it's just, I know David David reported on another Premier League club in, in a previous career, so I think he had to keep his his Rangers' allegiances quiet, so I think it is a bit of a public announcement. Uh, but it's good that you're here, David. Uh, I, I trust you watched the game today.
2: I was there, I was actually Were you there?
0: Um, you were the, the one of the boys on the pitch were you at the end of
2: no I was I was uh, I was in the hospitality oh,
0: hospitality I, I'll check you
2: that's how, that's how I roll um, <laughs> but no I was no I was it was very I felt like you could see the you could see the Kelly goal coming and I think it was very much like the majority of games I don't know I'd, I'd have to double check but I believe that's the first time we've won at Rugby Park in the Lake
0: since we've been promoted, I think. Yeah, uh, I was. I was actually thinking about that stuff today. I was actually th- at one point. I thought, is, is this the first time we've won our opening game since we've returned? But we actually won a game at Motherwell a couple of seasons back. But it's only the second time since we returned to the, the top flight that we've we've won our opening game. And yeah, I I, I think we have. I mean, we won the the, the league cup game there last season, three uh, one. Uh, or was it 4-1? Or it should have been 4-1, eh, else had a goal that, I uh, But I uh, I think you're right. I think in the league we, we really have uh, struggled against Kelly since we came back up. So uh, it was good to get it today.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so I uh, so we'll, we'll get right on into it. Uh, I'll come to you first, John. Uh, I'd, I'd put out what I thought the team uh, was going to be today. I'd, I had the same team that, that started, but I'd put in... Uh, Kamara ahead of Aribo. I thought he would maybe go with tried and tested, but he's went with Aribo today. What did you make of, did you think it was a predictable start in 11? That was pretty much the team that was always going to start.
1: I wasn't too sure Barisic would start. Um, I have a memory that he didn't always play on the, the artificial pitches last season, um, but they didn't get to play in too many of the grass ones either. So that would just be my memory, playing tricks with me. Uh, so I was surprised that he started, uh, and I actually thought he'd start with the four. Uh, thought the four looked like first choice up front uh, in the preseason games. Uh, so I thought he might start with the four as well. Uh, but other than that, yeah, it was largely the side um, that I think was, was was going to play. I wasn't sure whether Stuart or uh, Jones might get a game just with the kind of the past and knowing the ground and knowing the pitch. Yeah. But, uh, no, no, no big surprises.
0: No, I mean I would agree with that. I, I think I think we're all sort of the opinion, especially our field looks a better player since he's he's moved that one up. I think the midfield three, it's it's going to be tricky, you know, for a lot of players to get a starting place this year because I think the likes of Davis is always going to start. I went with Kamara today because I thought, I was looking at the game in January when we brought in Defoe and we brought in Stephen Davis straight away and it didn't quite work. So I thought he would maybe leave rebo out today and, and go with the tried and tested. But he's, he's, he started him today. And I think, you know, Ariba will start most games, so yeah, I agree, uh, there, there was nothing much, obviously Wes had to come in because uh, McGregor was uh, suspended, so yeah, I kind of agree, it was a, a sort of start, a predictable start in 11. Uh David, overall performance, I have to, uh, before we came on air, I was discussing the fact that my Sky conked out today, so I missed a huge chunk of the game, there was a thunderstorm out here, and the, my, my connection just went, so I missed the first goal. It was like 10 minutes in, lost all the reception. And it wasn't until like 55, 60 minutes that that the reception came back. So I missed a big chunk of the game. But I kind of got a feeling watching Twitter and stuff like that, that the overall performance was... (sighs) We've been seeing a lot of Rangers, you know, a lot of possession without necessarily being able to, you know, create a lot of chances. Is that how you saw it?
2: Yeah, it was just quite boring. You know, it's just quite a boring performance and there was no real um Kelly probably had the better chances um across the whole game when you think about I think Brophy missed one from five yards and then he'd another wee chance later on and they they just didn't create enough. And it was like the boy Ojo, he was sort of sleeping constantly, letting Greg Taylor get behind him in the first half. And I think he didn't he didn't enjoy playing on that surface. Um, and then it was sort of, we got the goal and then we just never really built on it. And the only time, when, the only time we looked half decent was when they we went one each in the last few minutes. You know, we we kind of started playing a bit. So, yeah, it was, I mean, I'm not worried. I'm not overly worried about the, the performance, but it was just a bit lackluster, I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, as I said, I missed a big chunk of it, but when I came back and the, the, the thing that, that, that struck me was it felt like that killing goal was coming. You know what I mean? And it just felt like so many games we'd, we'd seen last season where we've kind of dominated possession, looked like we were in control, failing to get that second goal, which which is always a crucial goal, I think, for Rangers. Once they get that second goal, that's when teams have to open up a wee bit. I think teams that concede the first tend to think, right, well, we'll still sort of just stick to our game plan. It's, it's, not, it's only when the second goal comes that teams genuinely have to open up and then that gives us a wee bit more space and that's just how it felt to me it just felt like it was slowly but surely you know you were getting that feeling that, that Kelly were going to get the equaliser and it was, it was flat overall but I suppose we had we'll come on to it, you know, we had, we had a good outcome in the end and it was, it was a fantastic goal for, for, for goals and, but yeah, I, th- I think there's definitely things we need to improve on going forward but you know, as, as I said, we'll take the result John, is there anyone who you thought thought it stood out today? Again, I, I, going on from what David said there, it felt a kind of flat performance but was there anyone that stood out for you today?
1: I, I think you said something there which I think sums up for a lot of supporters and I think maybe there was a sense of, of frustration with a lot of supporters just now because the Kilmanock goal did feel predictable. You did feel it was coming. Um, I think after we scored we we, we tried to can, Contain Comalot. We tried to, to keep possession. We slowed it down, and I, I think that, that was part of our game plan. And it's a bit frustrating to watch, and it's particularly frustrating when it doesn't work out. Um, I I thought that I actually thought our defence played quite well today defensively, uh, and I'm not not everybody is agreeing with that. But I I actually thought they played quite well defensively. I actually thought Davis had a good game. I thought everything he was asked to do, he kept it neat, he kept it tidy. He didn't excel. Um, but I thought he kept it neat and tidy. I, I think, actually, looking at the, the team, your eyes will be more caught by the people who didn't have a great game. Yeah. You mentioned, I think, Ojo, you know, that was his first game. What, is he 19? That that well, age.
0: Yeah, uh, he's just young, mean,
1: he's, young. Boy. He's, he's, he's young. He's not played many games. Uh, I thought, the, I don't know if it was the, the, the pace of the game. I don't know if it was Kulmarmuk's tactics. Uh, but I didn't think he, had a, he didn't have a wonderful game um, and I think the thing that struck me looking at this team was this last year's team you know for all we've made a lot of, or it feels like we've made a lot of signings, that was last year's team that was out there you know Kent's been replaced by, by Ojo um, and we've got Arrivo on the side but I don't know that's last year's team and that surprised me a little bit because it, it felt like we've made quite a few changes I think I expected it to be a slightly different team and it it uh, well, I think it's affected. I think I expected the team to have a different feel to it, um, and yet that looked like last year's team playing last year's tactics. Um, albeit with a slightly better result at the end of it, um, and I think that's where we've got some of the frustration is coming in. That maybe we haven't learned, um, we haven't moved on as much as perhaps we all hoped we would have.
0: But did it? Did it also feel? I mean, I know, come on, Steven's You know, Steve Clark's moved on, but did it not also feel to you that? it was the same with Kelly it was a very similar it was almost not a Steve Clark like performance you know
1: absolutely very
0: well That's organised and. and
1: oh, sorry Colin I'm talking over you there other than the goalie who's a new player that I'd never heard of him before? before um, it was the Kilmarnock team from last season um, playing Kilmarnock tactics I had kind of thought after that result they had against the Welsh team that Kilmarnock are relegation fodder this season that it's all going to fall about them I noticed a piece in the Herald through the week where a journalist I thought, quite surprisingly, basically said, when are Kilmarnock going to fire the manager? You know, he's lost the dressing room already, folks have questioned his tactics, he's had two horrible results, um, which I thought was, you know, concerned the guy hadn't even played a league game yet, I thought it was, was a little over the top, but you have to assume that he's hearing things, and, and you know, he's hearing things from people involved with the club. Um, but as, in actual fact, Kilmarnock played exactly like Kilmarnock played last season. Um, sat very deep, didn't give us space, uh, tried to frustrate us, you know, niggle, niggly fouls. Uh, it was very much, you know, I don't know, maybe without playing stereotypes, maybe an Italian manager is quite defensive. Maybe he does believe in having a strong defence and building from that. Um, but yeah, I was surprised. Very, very similar to last season. And I, and I thought Romal actually would be a, a, a different type of team this season. An easier team to beat, but wasn't to be.
0: David, going back to your comment earlier on, I've got, I've got a comment here in one of the, the in the YouTube's comment from Stephen Saunders. He's saying that's the first time Rangers have beat Comarnock at Rugby Park in eight years. Uh, that, that seems, I suppose, that, that could be possible, given we were down in the the, the lower divisions for so long.
2: Yeah, it's um, and it's not. It's quite strange because obviously under Steve Clark, Comarnock were excellent and picked up great results and did really well. Um, but I mean, this stretches back to like Lee Clark, Lee McCulloch, you know, there's been a lot of managers there and maybe haven't been quite as successful um, that we've not managed to to beat either. So I think the it's no surprise that, you know, the pitch is, is there as well. So I don't know if that's always been an issue for the teams over the years, but it seems to be. And it's quite surprising when you think of it. Obviously, today and in, in the last game of the season, we're different. But I mean, usually we would have two stands. You know, full of fans there. And So it's quite it's quite interesting that we've struggled so much at Rugby Park. But um, yeah, it's it's good to get that monkey off our backs, I suppose.
0: Have you? I mean, given your sort of you know, close proximity, Colmarlott, your, and your previous role. Have you heard anything about the new manager? Because there has been a lot of talk that he, he was already facing the door.
2: I, to be honest, I think it was always going to be difficult for whoever went into the place Steve Clark because, you know, he's, he's had such a massive impact and he's done a magnificent job there, you know, really, probably the best manager they've had since Willie Waddle. I don't know, maybe Tommy Burns as well would, would go into that bracket for them, but it was always gonna be difficult and it didn't matter who it was. Um, because if they'd gone and got like a Gary Holt, for instance, the fans would have been a bit underwhelmed. So they've gone for, you know, Alessio and he's suffered a Pedro Cashina type thing where he's just had an absolutely horrendous result. So soon in the season, and I think it's then difficult to come back from that. Um, well, we,
0: we saw that with Pedro. You know what I mean? Uh, at Rangers, you know, a, a, a result like that can kill a manager's career.
2: So I think, I think now he's. I mean, I thought I thought they were okay today. I thought Kamala played okay, well organized. But as, as you obviously mentioned earlier, it was more going back to Steve Clark's. Um, philosophy almost whereas I think I believe I didn't see any of the games but speaking to the mates and stuff down in Kelly I think they were a wee bit more expansive and tried to press the game a wee bit more against the Nomads um, so yeah I think he's trying to put his own style on things but obviously it's, it's more like well it's the exact same team as last season that had so much success club so sorry is it the same backroom
1: Staff.
2: is it the same assistant manager or the last year? Alex Dyer's still there. Um I think there's been a lot of changes to gonna... members of the staff. I think Billy Thompson's moved to under twenties coach, I believe, and uh, there's new sports scientists and stuff coming. So um and obviously Massimo Donati's there with him. so yeah, the, the Alex Dyer's still there and he's really popular, like among the fans and um the players as well. He's a really really nice guy. So he's still there, um, at the moment. So I
1: don't
0: know if he how much of a part he played in today's today's performance. Yeah. John, the the first goal, uh, it was I think it was on the sixteenth minute. I was I was cut out at this point. I'd I'd lost my my reception at, at Sky, so I missed the first goal. But obviously, I've seen the replay, and again, it's something we've sp- we've spoke about before. You know, this sort of new role, he seems to be chipping in with more goals. I mean, it was a tidy finish. It was almost like a striker's finish. Would you agree with that?
1: It was exactly a striker's finish. It had that instinct. Um I, th- I think we've not mentioned, and a thing that really pleased me was two goals from set pieces today. Um it's a thing that's frustrated me for years about Rangers is the amount of set pieces, particularly corners we get that come to nothing. Um, yeah. so you know, Katic was a great header. Um, he got free... Found himself a bit of space. Beautiful header. Good save actually, to be fair. Um, and uh, but Arco did well to stick it away. You know he was in the right place at the right time. That that doesn't happen by accident. You uh, know the guy who's who's looking for space, who's anticipating it. Uh, he reacted first, stuck it away. Um, it was a goal that was coming. I think we were you know we were on top. We were playing well. We were controlling the match. Um, but I was delighted to score a goal from a corner. Obviously even more delighted to score the second one. But but talking about the first one. You know, without being harsh, it was kind of Arfield's one contribution to the match. Uh, he, had a, he had a quieter game, I thought. Uh, he was involved in a few things, but I thought he had a, he had a quieter game. Um, but it was a nice goal, nicely stuck away. Um, and am delighted to get to get a goal from a corner.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. The the, the set piece thing—it seems to me like we've not had anybody that could take a decent corner since David Cooper. At times, honestly, it frustrates the hell out of me. But you're right. I mean, all three goals today. I mean, Kelly's goal was the same. That was a that was a set piece, and it's maybe showing that just how important set pieces can be. And it's something that we need to we need to improve on. So to get two from that today was good. But I, I think a lot of supporters will also feel frustration that we couldn't create enough in open play, uh, David. And again, it kind of went flat, I think, after we got the goal. Again, this sort of predictable feeling and performance that we've seen before, you know, we get that goal, can't get the second goal and then we end up just playing a lot of nice football, you know, maintaining possession, but playing a lot in front of teams, you know, not being able to get in behind them. Yeah,
2: I think second half, like Joe Rebo had been quite quiet and then second half, he sort of came into the game a lot more and when he came into the game, you could see the quality that he has, and that maybe that quality we need in the final third. Um, but I, I, you know, I think I think Greg Stewart maybe should have started today because he knows that pitch well. Well, I've sort of relayed it this summer, obviously, but he knows uh, he knows the pitch well. He, he's got that wee bit of magic in the final third, and he's something wee bit different. And I don't know if maybe in hindsight he would have been a better option. Um, just to provide that wee bit of spark in the um, in the final third, but yeah, it's frustrating. But I think as well, you're still as much as it was majority of the players that played today were all from last season. I think I think there's still a wee bit of like bedding in. A, the new players that have come in and there's maybe maybe the squads just still needing to settle a wee bit. Um, it's possible just a case of being patient and and. Uh, just hoping that eventually it does it does come together, especially, you know, um, in possession for us, because at the moment we're just, as we've mentioned obviously already, there is a lot of side to side, and there's a lot of sort of not doing a great deal. Um, there's not a great deal of penetration to the final third. Um, and that's what our friend of is, you know, he he needs good service, because he, he just ends up doing what he did today, which was just run about filling everyone. Um, going to the deck, he just wasn't, Effective because he wasn't getting that, you know, the ball to feet, so he can he can then do something with it. That was that was quite frustrating.
0: John uh, David mentioned Morelos there, and I would agree it, it certainly had one of his, his quieter games. Uh, but there was an incident sort of sort of midway through the first half, I think, between him and a uh, friend, Big Kurt Broadfoot. Now, the thing that got me, I think this is, again, looking at sort of the standard of the referee in this country, and and Willie Collum certainly has a record of getting these things wrong. I didn't see anything that Morelos done wrong in that incident. It appeared to me to be all sort of Broadfoot, you know, there was about a six of of one and half a dozen of the other, and then Broadfoot seems to put his arms around him, grapple him, and throw him to the ground. And the two of them get a talking to. Broadfoot doesn't get a a booking and the two of them get a talking to. Now, I saw a lot of comments on Twitter at the time and I had to agree with them saying if it had been the other way around, you know, if Morelos had thrown Broadfoot to the ground, there would have been, you know, a cry for a red card and all the rest of it by the usual commentators. Is that a good example of how, on certain occasions, you know, Morelos in particular gets refereed to a different standard?
1: A hundred percent. Absolutely. Um, I mean, it's, I know exactly the incident you're talking about. And I tell you, let me take the one positive from it was Morelos and his demeanour during it and after it. He didn't react. You know, he went down. He, you know, he didn't try and kick him back. He didn't do anything of the stuff that perhaps he would have done this time last year. Um, so I was, I was quite pleased with that. But no, I mean, Rod, I know he played for us. and I know you're supposed to say nice things about guys who used to play for you wow, he's just an animal. <laughs> he just, and it was the same last season, he's just there to try and get the opposition players sent off and he does everything he can. And that in particular, like you say, had that been the other way around, and I don't have any doubt he would have been booked and possibly more because the crowd would have been up. But as it was, yeah. it was just, uh, you know, I'll talk to both you and Wave on. And he, he, I don't know if you're going to talk about the, the goal in a minute, but, you know, I wonder if a penalty would have been given had we not scored there. Because again, if you look at that, he's got his arms. Around
0: yeah, I did, I did think I, that.
1: How did got to that. I don't know. Um, but and he was doing that the whole match. You know, he he was doing that type of thing the whole match, uh, and he got away with it the whole match. Now he's a, he's a experienced player. He's probably he probably knows when the referee is not going to be looking his direction. Um, but that was a that was a perfect example of how uh, Morales is, is as you said refereed in my opinion, referee to a different standard. Uh, that, that was, uh, you know, it was a clear booking um, and why it was a speak to both players is beyond me. Because I, even seeing it again, you know, you initially you thought that, you know, did else have a wee dig at him before it or something? He didn't. You know, the, the ball came, the two of them stood for it, they, they touched, and then the next thing you know, um, Broadfoot's all over them. Cool stuff. That's yeah. the, the comment, I think.
0: I, I, well, maybe best an example of, of what's to come. It just strikes me that if that had been Morelos... Now, Morelos does bring something on himself, but there is this, you know... I mean, Andy Walker, for example, during, during the cool commentary at that point, I think he made very, very little of it. You know, or oh, it's just the players coming together. Whenever it involves Morelos, he's, that's not the sort of route he goes down. He goes down a very, very different route of why does he need to get involved? Why is he doing this? You know, calling for him to get a red card or a yellow card or whatever. And it just frustrates me. I'm, I'm going to be honest, when, when you see, as I said, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying Morelos is blameless. He's got himself involved in some stupid things at times, but it's that, you know, almost wanting them to do something so they can comment on it and, and exaggerating when he does do, you know, Stupid things, as I said. If, if it was Morelos that had done that today, I think the reaction would have been would have been very different. Uh, David, I'm looking through some of the comments here on uh, our YouTube channel. Uh, Barisic's name is coming up, and, 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 to be fair, other than Graham, our engineer guy, uh, they're not very positive comments. I thought he had a poor performance today. Now it seems to me that Gerrard's put a bit of faith in him. I think they've sat down and had a discussion. I think Gerard has said to him at some point, your performances aren't good enough. I think Barisic has owned up to that and said, right, I'm going to try and improve. But today that was another, I think the best way I could describe it, quite a timid performance. And the, the, the quality of his delivery into the box was, was, was really, really poor at times.
2: Mm-hmm. I think um, he just looks like play a player bereft of confidence. Um And, you know, when he first came, you thought, wow, what a player we've got here. I just don't know what's happened to him. I don't know if he just can't adapt to Scottish football or what it is. But, I mean, today it was so frustrating. Like, you're watching him. see his same floaty sort of crosses and straight into the goalie's hands every single time, you know. And he just doesn't want the ball. And it it was actually I turned to my mate today. And I... Sort of start of the second half, and then Gerard moved Ojo over to the left hand side, and it was just a weak, weak left hand side, so weak, and there was nothing happening. Um, you know, Barisic, you know, neither of them wanted the ball, so it was like, and then it kept coming down the left hand side. So, I mean, there was one point as well. I don't want to single Ojo out too much. So I know he's just young, but he'd been sleeping a few times defensively, and then he got the ball, and he's sort of ran towards the defenders, and he's done that thing where he's just sort of kicked it. And he's not kicked it, like, to, to cross it. He's not kicked it. He's just sort of kicked it to get it away from himself. And then you know it's the same thing with Barisic. It was just this lack of belief, like, that they could actually affect the game. And that's more concerning the actual quality of his play, I think. It's just the fact that he looks like a beaten man. You know, someone that just doesn't think that they can, they can do it. But then the other thing about today is... Again, I don't think he likes playing on that pitch. So, you know, perhaps Halliday would have been a better, a better option today. And I think he would have, he would have given us a bit more energy, certainly.
0: Yeah, I agree with you on the the, the confidence thing. He does. He looks sometimes. Straight, looks to me, happens to a lot of players that sign for Rangers. Like the jersey's too big for him at times. I, mm-hmm. I wonder if that's the issue. Because, uh, as you say, when he first arrived. You know, he looked. I thought we'd signed a proper player, but it's just never really materialised. And I was kind of hopeful. You know, when it when it became obvious, I thought he'd be away in the summer. But when it became obvious that Jarrah was going to give him another sort of crack of the whip, you're sort of behind the boy, wanting him to do well. But I think if he he, he has any hopes of having, you know, a long Rangers career, he really needs to to up his performance levels because I I thought he was poor again today. Uh, John, the obviously got to half time one each out the second half. And again, that feeling of deja vu that we've been here before, especially with Kilmarnock, you know, you just felt that the longer it went, when we never got that second goal, Kelly were going to get the equaliser. Actually, I'm sure I saw somebody post on Twitter, I think it was actually our own Alistair McKillop posted, it's a certainty that they're going to get the equaliser in the, the 86th minute. Well, he was it was three minutes out. So I think it was the 83rd minute they got the equaliser. But we'd, I think the frustrating thing is we, we could all see it coming. And then it happened again.
1: Yeah, absolutely. What is it they say? Deja vu all over again. You could see it coming. um, And I think that's the thing that most fans get annoyed about is when you see the same mistakes being made and made and made. Um, I think, I think it's unfair to look at that and not look at the response because clearly the response was different from last season. I think last season there was a chance we'd have lost that game. Uh, Um, Certainly would have dropped two points, and I think there's a chance that then the momentum would have switched to them, um, and they were going to win it. But absolutely, you could feel it coming uh, watching. I mean, I wasn't at the match I was, I was watching like you. Um, you could feel it coming. You could sense that, um, you know, they were they were kind of building up to it. They'd had a, they'd had a really good chance not that long before it. Is it, is it Brophy, the guy?
0: Yeah, uh, aye, aye,
1: Really should have scored. He certainly cool. should have hit the target. Uh, a, you know, from the cross, he was, I don't know, five yards out. It was a poor mess. Um And that should have been the wake-up call for us. That said, you know, it was a set piece and, and Morels just switched off. Um, I mean, the guy O'Donnell had so much time. He, it was a nice finish, but he had so much time to stick it away um, because, we, our, you know, our centre forward, who was Markham, just completely switched off. Um, so that was annoying. But, yeah, you saw it coming. Kilmarnock are that kind of team. You know, we, we spoke about it a minute ago, Con. it was the same Kilmarnock team as last season, today playing in the same way as last season. So it should have come as no surprise to our team, the majority of whom were there last season, that that's what was coming. And the fact that we didn't stop it, the fact that we, didn't, we weren't capable of, of changing the tempo. Um, you know, Again, I'm not, I don't like to criticise Gerard too much, but you do wonder why he didn't make changes Earlier in the second half, because you could see it coming, and and clearly something needed to change. We needed to change the, the tempo. We needed to, to you know give them something different to think about. You know, bring on Defoe and give them something different to think about up front. Uh, you know, try Jones, try a guy who can. Uh, you know, if nothing else, he's got a bit of pace about him. Um, because you could see what was coming, and and I don't think we're, I don't think we're strong enough yet as a unit to um, go to a place at Rugby Park and hold on to a one goal lead. You know, I think we, we, we need to win by more than that. We need to be in a bigger lead than that to, to win a match.
0: Is that a fair comment, David? Because I'm, again, looking through the YouTube uh, comments here, that there are a couple of comments, uh, one from Stephen Saunders around uh, Stephen Gerrard's subs. You know, he's sort of saying he's saying that they're always light like for light, like. you know he's not changing a game and I, I did feel like John that we were late in making changes today is that a valid criticism of Gerard, do you think?
2: Yeah, absolutely I think uh, you know, I was saying today at the game I was really frustrated with the left, as I just mentioned you know what's happening on our left hand side and um, you know I was saying like Gerard's watching the same game as us and I'm no football expert but you're sitting and you can see exactly what what's wrong, what we're doing wrong. And he's got he's actually got options in the bench now. It's not only the last season where at times you would have like maybe <clears throat> all be defensive minded players. You know, now we actually have options. Defoe was in the bench. I thought he could maybe have come on. So it was quite it was quite clear, you know, by about sixty minutes and Morales was his head was gone. Um but I think his subs have been poor. I think his subs were poor last season at the start of the season as well. And then actually get better as season kind of wore on. So I don't know if it, I, I don't know if he just doesn't know his best team and doesn't and put, puts his trust in the players it picks. And that's why you know he's, he's maybe second guessing himself a wee bit of the subs. But I think today, I mean, I think he had to change it and he, he didn't. And I mean, it was okay in the end. We got the win, but yeah, I think um, I think it's something want, he'll have to look at and how he can affect a game, you know, from the bench.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think you make a good point about, you know, how he sort of grew into the the job last year. You know, you got the impression, I certainly think, for sort of February, March time onwards last season, towards the end of the season, you kind of got the feeling that Gerard was influenced games again. You know, he was making decisions that were were, were, uh, changing games. But I I think today he was was slow to change it. But we we got the win, so there's no damage done. But, you know, I, I felt about 10 minutes before... Kelly got the equaliser. I was questioning then why we hadn't changed it, you know. Uh, but it didn't matter, uh, John, because uh, Aribo was really, really unlucky with an effort that led to the corner f- for, for goals and to score. So we thought we'd got the goal then, but then it came. And I-, I don't know what the scenes were like in your house, but me and the boy, honestly, God, every single one of your neighbours knew Rangers angels had scored the day, by the way, because we took the roof off on that boy at the net.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was... Uh... It was an unexpected surprise, wasn't it? No, it was fantastic. It was a, like you said, um, it had been a nice run. And he got the break of the ball, actually. I mean, he'd kind of lost the ball and uh, two Kelly players kind of passed it back. to him. it was a strange one. Um, I mean, a lovely shot. Um, it would have been fitting to an any goal. But um, again, another corner. Uh, and Goldson made sure it was his. You know, I, I think I'd mentioned before. I mean, he literally dragged Broadfoot Along with them. Broadfoot was literally hanging on to him and he simply dragged him along with him and buried it. Um, and, and that's great. You know, both set of halves contributing to their goals. Um, you know, that says something about the team, it says something about the tactics, it says something about what they've been doing in the training pitch. Um, there's few things in football as good as a 90th minute winner. It's just a great feeling. All it doesn't right. matter who it's against. A 90th minute winner, it's, it's what football's about. Um, I watched some of that. Um, I watched some of that Women's World Cup over the summer and, and yeah, you know, some of the football that was on over the summer and, and I watched that uh, the England, that tournament England were in and, you know, the way football's going with VAR and all these kind of things, nothing... See if that goal had been chopped off or you'd have to wait three minutes to find out if it was actually going to be given or not. You know, it kills that moment and, and I understand... I don't know if we're going to talk about it or not. I understand why those guys were in the park. You, know, it, it, you do feel a sense of relation. They shouldn't go in the park. You know, they, they, I, I'm not condoning it. But you understand it because there's this outpouring of joy when you score a last-minute winner. I, I, I don't care who it's against. It's a fantastic feeling. Uh, and I thought it was a decent goal, a good cross. And I thought Goldson deserves a lot of credit for getting himself on the end of that uh, and burying it because he was getting fouled the whole way. So, yep, fantastic. I was delighted. I think I could hear you actually. Um, <laughs> from the
0: West of Glasgow, I think it was. Uh, I didn't know quite what it was, but no, right, no I think it was you and your boy. Yeah, uh, well, I, I, I mean, I totally agree. I, I, I mean, my day at, at half time, uh, it, it did feel like the football and gods were against me today because my, my sky came back on during half time, you know, when they were doing the sort of half time analysis and when the adverts were on. And then just as the game kicked off, it conked to it again and I, I was just sitting there at one point like 55 minutes I, into the I, I game i never or of just paying the
1: bill though you know see when they
0: send you those letters with final demand you never thought of just paying it no it's nothing to do with that I pay my bills you know what I mean <laughs> it was to do with the weather <laughs> uh, but I, I genuinely I was sitting there I felt like greeting it stage. I said i been looking forward to this all week and I've hardly seen any of the game but seeing that goal in in the 90th man honest to God it just made everything alright again honest to God the two years were jumping about that living room like a couple of dafties and you're right, A last minute, we'll come on to talk about the, the, the supporter issue uh, a wee bit later on. But you, you can understand it because there is, you know, nothing better than a last minute one, especially something like that. You know, with the way Celtic won yesterday, you know, you had Andy Walker crooning, you know, or this is another example of what Celtic have over Rangers. You know, they can see games out, they can win games like this, and we are seen it again that Rangers can't do it. And you're just hearing all that stuff and then bang. There you go. Have that. There's your dinner. Chaos. As I said, I, I, the only thing that sort of slightly frustrated me. And we'll talk about it later on is the, there wasn't more Rangers fans in the ground because it was slightly disappointing that there were so many empty seats in the the stand behind the other goal. But yep. overall, that that goal made my day today because it had been a pretty rubbish day up until that point, because I hadn't seen much of the game, the only goal I had seen was Kelly's equaliser, and I just thought, oh, this is just going to be one of these days, I so was delighted eh, when that hit the net. David, as we were saying earlier on, you know, it's, it's only the second time since returning to the top flight the Rangers have won their opening game as I said just now, Celtic won fairly convincingly yesterday against St. Johnston they've sort of, you know, put in a marker straight away saying, you know they're, they're there to sort of win that title how important was it to get that win you know and, and maybe even in the manner that we've done it you know because Celtic done it so many times last season they they, they had a last minute win at, at Kilmarnock last season they'd done it at Harps uh, they, they got a fairly late winner against ourselves at Celtic Park you know these late late goals as Stephen Gerrard said the other day you know if the game's finished after 86 minutes Rangers would have won the title last year so we've lost points at crucial points towards the end of games and Celtic have gained a lot of points you know, towards the end of the game. So, how important was that 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 win today, just to put out that message that even although we've, we've performed fairly poorly, we've still got the win.
2: I think psychologically for our players, it was a good thing because it shows that you know we can score late goals, which you know is a good habit to get into. Um, but yeah, I mean, I know it's only the first game of the season, but if you're straight away two points behind Celtic after one game, I mean, it's not. It's not great again psychologically, um, and yeah, I think to t- to win the game in that manner was probably quite good, um, and I mean, better than than, than if would if would won one nil, no, and laboured to sort of win-0 victory. I think it always gives you that that buzz and that feel good factor when you manage to to get a late goal, and I think you know it keeps his keeps his level with Celtic if we can keep producing victories, I think that's the biggest thing. And it's like, I mean, Jared I'm sure Gerard tonight would be delighted that his comments, you know, have been proved right, you know, that that these moments, you know, from eight to six minutes onwards are so important because they, they are and, and it's not something that Rangers have been particularly good at um, over the years. Even even when you think back to, to you know, back in the Water Smith days, you know, Celtic always seemed to score like goals, whereas we... We weren't really that well known for it, you know, scoring the eight, 90th minute winner. I don't think it it happened a great deal, whereas they always seem to they always seem to do it. So that if we can get into that habit, I'm sure it'll be, you know, it's, it'll be welcome for for every fan.
0: I, I think you're right. You know, the, the Rangers are held out one nil day, We'd all be sitting here going, "Oh, we've got the win." There wouldn't be that same sense of euphoria. That's what it felt like after after that. You know, the the, the when the ball went in the net. And then you had a couple of minutes of injury time, and then the final whistle. There was a real sense of, you know, achievement and all the rest of it, which I don't think we would have, we would have had, as you say, if we'd have just saw the game out one nothing. So I think you're right. I think the manner of it well, could help the players in terms of realizing, you know, well, if when we're having a bad day at the office, because I've been banging on, on about that in the pod for a while now when you're having a bad day at the office, you just need to find a way. You know I mean? You're not going to win every, every game playing silky football and playing the, the sort of way that you've planned to play the game. You know, sometimes you just need to find a way. And I think that's what Rangers done today and I think that bodes well for the future. Uh, John, bringing this as the sort of game today to a close, there were a couple of issues today. The first thing was... There was images on social media and all the rest of it before the game and, and sort of 10, 20 minutes after the game had kicked off of, of supporters struggling to gain entry to Rugby Park, which, you know, it seemed like quite a lot. Uh, and there was no sort of talk okay, you know, delaying the kickoff or anything like that. And we heard a lot of fans, you know, on social media complain about it, 27 pound a ticket or something like that. And they're getting in 30 minutes into the game. How disappointing is that?
1: I think it's been coming. I was at Furhill two seasons ago and a similar thing happened. Um, It was a uh, a midweek game and a similar thing happened. Um, Rangers, um, they they just simply weren't prepared for the amount of of support and you you think, well, you should be because you sold the tickets. Um, So I don't understand what happened today. I I wasn't there. I didn't see it. Uh, Like you, I've, I've read about it. It's it's disappointing from a, a fan's perspective if you've paid all that money and you don't get to see uh, the whole match. It's worrying from, you know, from a, profession, a professional um, standpoint. Kilmarnock uh, should be capable of managing the crowd, managing the access to the stadium. Um, there's absolutely no reason why that shouldn't be happening and happening correctly.
0: Um, oh, I that, that, that's saw an image today of there was actually turnstiles at that end closed, yeah, which made it all uh, the more frustrating.
1: Now, I've seen that as well, and I don't know if that was something if they were closed because of you know something happens, you know, someone is doing a turn up for work. I, I don't know why they were closed, um, but clearly something wasn't right. I mean, you know, like I think, uh, I think we've sold out two ends of that ground most most seasons since we came back up. Um, and I've not heard of this issue before, so clearly something wasn't right today um, I don't know if it was I don't know if it was negligence I don't know if it was deliberate I don't know if it was accidental I'm afraid I don't know enough about it but it is worrying it's not a huge surprise um I do worry that as there's less and less money in Scottish football um, clubs um, and authorities will start to Look to save money in different places. Uh, you're already seeing it with policing. There's hardly, there's nothing like the same amount of police at games as there certainly was when I was uh, um, younger. Um, so you're seeing fewer and fewer police, more and more stewards. I think that's why you see things like you saw today with, um, you know, fans going on to the pitch, um, because I don't think fans have the same concern for getting lifted by a steward for that they might have if there's, um, you know, a dozen copper standing in front of them. Um and I think maybe you're seeing it with you know Timstells not quite working and maybe they're still working, so we're gonna have to close this and you know what, it's just a range of supporters, who cares? Uh, I, I just worry that creeping back into Scottish football. Um I'm not trying to be melodramatic, but I have sensed that over the last couple of seasons, um, that um we, we maybe are going back the way a little bit in terms of how we how we treat supporters, um, and also perhaps um you know, after after that kind of great period in the in the 90s, where everybody was getting new stadiums, and, and, and you know football had changed from the, the change from the sport that I grew up and the, and the stadiums that I used to go to, um, and we're, we're a little bit we get a bit nostalgic for some of these old stadiums, but in actual fact most of them were upper dumps, and and, and, and you know it's much better that they've been replaced. But at the same time, um, you've got to keep on top of that, and you've got to make sure you, you are giving a service. And at 27 pounds a ticket you know, that's the issue at least
0: mean you get in on time. Uh, there, I don't think there's any doubt about that. David, there was also, I mean, I think the Rangers fans had, had a right to complain about the issues getting into the ground today. You know, if you're paying £27 for a ticket and you're missing half an hour of the game, it's frustrating. But there was the all, there was issue at the end of the game as well when, when, when Goldson got that winner. You know, some of the, the fans came on the pitch, which seems to be becoming a wee bit of a trend, especially at last-minute winners. But I, I think the more a uh, worrying aspect was the damage done to the the disabled section uh, now I, I don't think it was deliberate but it was certainly careless by supporters you know to climb on that and and you know because it could have it could have seriously hurt somebody underneath so you know i think the rangers supporters have a right to complain about how some of them never got in but they also have to take some responsibility for some of the scenes at the end there yeah i think um i'm,
2: I'm not a fan of these pitch invasions at all i think I just don't get it. I don't get why they are allowed to happen. I don't know why they. Always seems to be the same. I don't want to target the young youngsters in the crowd, but it does always seem to be the same sort of lads that are doing it. Which. You know, I know they're happy but then when you see people running around their, their phone in their hand trying to get a picture of the players you know you just think
0: oh. <laughs> <laughs> trying to get a selfie with Barisic you know what yeah. I mean <laughs> of all people of all the players
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, but no it's just I'm not a fan of it um, I used to always love how even when like Rangers when, 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 when we would win the league Like you would never see a pitch invasion at Ibrox if we won the league or whatever Um but they seem to just be happening all the time now and then obviously that was just a shocking I mean just a PR disaster for the club that the disabled thing because you know a lot of the a lot of the things that happen at games we just don't do ourselves any favours and I know there's, there's this feeling that you know maybe the coverage that we get isn't great and it's quite negative sometimes but there are times when we don't really help
0: ourselves with that. No, I would, I would agree with that. I, I think we're, we're, we're our own enemy at times, some of the stuff that goes on, and that's an example of it today. Again, I don't think there was any maliciousness in it. No, I don't I, think I, it was deliberate, I don't, but, you know. I don't
2: think so, but the songbook as well, the songbook thing, again, it's, it's, just, it's just like it doesn't help us, and it's just becoming an issue in that we're constantly slaughtered for it. So, you know, we should maybe just, how do you stop it? You know, it, it's really difficult. It is really difficult. And I think we do, have, I, think we've got, I think the fans are great. And, you know, you just have to look at the numbers of traveling and the money. I, I think something that's often forgotten about supporters is the cash they're spending to follow the club. And, you know, it's it hundreds and probably thousands of pounds a year. Going abroad, going here and everywhere in Scotland, you know, and they deserve to go and have a good time. And I don't think anyone would, would say they don't. It's just there's certain wee bits and bobs that happen um, at the game. We're, and we're not alone, you know. I think when neighbours across the road are just every bit is careless as well. Um,
0: well, well a, there was a banner yesterday which wasn't the, wasn't the best, yeah, was it?
2: Exactly. And I think. It's like there's a lot of points scoring in between the two sometimes and I think maybe it's just a case of having a look at you know, what we're doing at games and just trying to be a bit more sensible, but it's probably easier said than done. Just
1: just on that, the point of the, the roof, um, Forlan's sister on JazzNet was in the disabled section and, and he posted earlier that in his opinion, the people who jumped on it knew exactly what was what they were doing, and knew exactly who was underneath. And uh, he said it was simply, it was literally a miracle that no one was seriously injured. Now, you know, like you, I, I don't, I don't imagine the folk jumping on it intended for it to collapse on top of the people down below. But they do need to have a serious look at themselves. If they knew what was there, and then they must have realised, well, there's a fair chance this will come in. Um, if I jumped about on top of it, and and you know people do need to take personal responsibility. Um, that you know, that could have been could have been a lot worse.
0: It could have been a lot worse. Yeah, I would agree with that.
1: Seriously injured and that. that that's just simply not on. Disabled football supporters have it hard enough. You know they are. We we're, we're talking there about how um, you know able-bodied supporters couldn't get into the ground. You know disabled supporters have a hard hard job at football matches. They are they are an afterthought. For a lot of clubs, um, an inconvenience for some, I'd go as far as to say. Um, so you know, the 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 least they can expect is to be able to watch the match in safety. Um, so yeah, I think we do need, but, you know, some of us need to have a look at ourselves um, on things like that.
0: But we'll finish up the the Komaluk chat on a positive note. We got the three points. We got the win. Uh, and we've you know, we've made a bit of a statement. Uh, we'll move on. Just a quick sort of review of the progress game. I missed the progress game because I was on holiday last week. I was way down south. with The family uh, had no access to uh, Premier Sports or anything like that. So I missed it. I wasn't at the Liverpool game, as was suggested by my fellow host, uh, Ross, last week. Uh, I was away on holiday. I never seen the progress game. David, it seems to me it was a fairly routine game though. You know, I know it was a disappointing result and maybe a slightly disappointing performance, but we're through, surely that's the main thing.
2: Yeah, I think it, I think as long as we just went over there and consolidated what would what would at um iBrooks I think we were always gonna be relatively comfortable. Um, and I think it's gonna it's gonna go up a again this week, I think, when we play Mitchell and I think that'll be because we were quite lucky, I think, last season we played check in the second qualifying round and they were obviously a good side. So, going into this Mitchellan game, I, I'm, I don't know a great deal about them, but I would assume, being a Scandinavian team, I think they'll know a bit about them. And I'm pretty sure they were in the Champions League a couple of years ago. Mm. So, this will be similar to the Maribor game, I would have thought, and if we can just move on and, and I think it's, it's just going to get harder as, as the competition moves on so in terms of progress it was just a, it was just a case of you know getting that done and, and moving on I think
0: yeah I would agree with that and I, I, I don't know much about uh, uh, this mob that we're about to face either uh, I was hoping to do a wee bit of research today but I ran out of time so uh, we'll, we'll look at them in, in another pod uh, Hibs at Ibrox next week John uh, they they got a one one yesterday Beat some and Apparently made heavy weather of it. Set it up in a four-two-three-one formation. I think they'll slip I think they'll tweak that for us next week. I think they'll, they'll maybe sit with a couple more men slightly deeper. Like Kilmarnock, they were a team we we really struggled against last season. I don't think we beat them. I think it was like four draws we got against them. So, how important is it that we can get a result next week?
1: Yeah, uh, it's vital. You know, we if we have any pretensions to win in the league, then. Games against teams like Kilmarnock and Hibs, where we dropped points last season, they have to turn into wins, particularly at home. You know, there is no excuse for not beating Hibs at home. Um, like you say, they didn't, I didn't see the game. I just saw the, the, the result. So M- St Mern have had a shocking start to the season. I mean, they've, they've had a... Did they, really, they get, lose a game at East Kilbride? Um, you know, I, 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 St Mum, clearly, are not in forum. Um, and so for, for Hibs to beat them only one nil, and by all accounts it was a, a, a it wasn't a, it wasn't a wonderful game. Um, should give us a bit of um, should give us a, a bit of a, a lift going into it. They've lost uh, the Australian, the Australian lad is Boyle, um, who I is a pretty big player for them. Um, I hope I think he's Australian. I don't know why I think he's Australian, but I think he's Australian. A <laughs> big you know, player they've got. Um, I think his name's Boyle. I think they've lost him for, for most of the season. Um, and uh, I think he's a fairly important player for them. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think they're probably a weaker side than last season. Um, and, uh, um, yeah, I'd be fairly confident going into that at home. Um, if that's their, you know, if that's Hib's current form, I, I'd be fairly confident get that at home. Like you said, I expect them to sit deep, try and frustrate us and try and hit us in the break. I think that's what every team will do at Ibrox. Um, and and I expect them to do the same. And it's just now up to us to be able to break that down. And this is where we'll see Aribo, we'll see Jones, we'll see Stewart, uh, we'll see Davis, we'll see if these guys are now capable of breaking that down. And at Ibrooks, bigger pitch. Um, you know, a, a, a thing about Rugby Park today we didn't talk about was the fact they made it smaller. You know, they've brought the pitch in, um, they've made it a tighter ground. Um, so, you know, back at Ibrooks, bigger pitch. You know, yeah, we've got to beat them. That's simple as that. Um I think we have to beat them, and that's if we, as I said, if we've any ideas about winning the league, that that's what we have to do. You know, Hibs need to be taken care of at Ibrox.
0: David, uh, our, our friend and former supporter Scott Allen is in the is in the Hibs side. Obviously, got the goal yesterday. Uh Four wasted years at Celtic. I. Uh, 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 it really frustrates me the whole situation with Scott Allen I I think if he'd moved to Rangers it would have benefited his career a lot more I think it was a tactical signing with Celtic is he the one is he the one that we need to look out for next uh, next Saturday
2: Um, he's a nice player I like him as a player
0: Um, he's got a cracking tattoo apparently Uh, no yeah I think
2: he's I think he's a nice player I think he can open a defence. And actually, you know, you said there about him coming. I think if he'd come to Rangers and played under Mark Warburton, he would have for a great he'd have been a great part of that team. Um because that was kind of what Warburton's uh Warburton's sort of team lacked, I think, just that proper number 10 that could slip in uh the strikers. But yeah, I mean he's a good player. Um and obviously Boy Canberra good as well. So I think uh, there's no mugs, Hibs, and I think it'll be a difficult, a difficult game for for Rangers, no doubt about it.
0: But you would be hopeful, you know, as, 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 as John's pointed out, if you've got any ideas of, of you know, putting in a challenge or, or even winning the title, these are the sort of games. The games where we struggled last season. These are the sort of games we need to start picking up points in.
2: I think we pretty much have to just... <clears throat> It sounds sounds ridiculous, but you've you've got to really be winning. We probably cost ourselves with draws last season, and now we just have to find a way to win. I think today was maybe a good example of that because we did find that way to win. If we have any ideas about being up there, let's not forget. I mean, we only lost the league by nine points last season, and it could have been less if we hadn't, you know, lost in the last day. Um, I don't think we're a million miles away, but we just need to be a bit, have a bit more about us and and be be what is John says. You know, winning these these sort of games where you're expected to win, and I think we can't afford to be dropping points at home to Aberdeen and Hibs this season, which we did last season. Realistically, we're going to drop points, and realistically, when we drop points, it could be Easter Road or the But I think when you look at the home games and you look at the you know, the Hamilton's away, the Kelly's away, the St Johnson away. We need to be turning them in from, you know, tight draws or losses, any victories, and then you know, that's the only way we're gonna we're gonna get anywhere close to winning the league is if we stop just giving away these stupid points that end up costing us in the end.
0: Yeah, he's conscious of time now. So just a couple of quick things, uh, stuff that happened through the week. I thought we would would cover. John, there was a a story uh, linking uh, Alfredo Morelos to a Chinese club for for 30 million last week. Gerard has come out and said that this is a total fabrication, that no one's picked up the phone to Rangers regarding Morelos and that someone's, as he put it, making a lot of noise about this boy. what do you think going on here? Do you think this is his agent fabricating this
2: stuff, or
1: in a word, yes, exactly <laughs> what's happening? Um, I think, yeah, I mean it's we're into the we're into the kind of closing days now of of um, the English transfer window, aren't we? Um, so I expect any moves that are happening from down south um, will happen fairly soon. Um, I, I'll be honest, I'm amazed that no one from England has have taken a, a chance on him. When you see the money being spent on players down there of fairly ordinary ability, I, I'm surprised someone hasn't come in and, and, and taken a, a gamble on him. Um, because, he, you know, for all for all his faults, he can play football and he will score goals. Um, so I, I am surprised. Um, I don't quite know the point of saying, you know, he he was offered £10 million a year to go and play in China. Um I don't really know what that achieved, other than maybe make some clubs think maybe we need to offer them more money. I'd be amazed if there's not conversations going on behind the scenes. Uh, I'd be very surprised if, if you know, clubs haven't made contact with his agent. Um, but ultimately, I think this was a lot of nonsense. I think this was just his agent, you know. I don't know, giving somebody a story to run. Uh, it didn't make a lot of sense. It seemed a strange one. Um, Chinese. I understand the Chinese window was kind of closing that day or something. So maybe they felt, well, you know, we can, we'll, we'll put this out there and that might kind of make somebody somewhere. Make something so, happen,
0: yeah.
1: I, I don't know. It's all you can think of. Um, because, I, I you know, I think most of us perhaps thought he was going to be away by this time. Um, I think a lot of... No, I, yeah, I thought he'd ...in the summer. i um, surprised he's still with us. Um, I think we're weak up front. I know we've not talked about it in this pod. of you it, know. I, in terms of the squad, I think the week up front we've you know we've lost Lafferty, albeit he didn't do a great deal for his you know, at least he was another option, a different type of player. We've not replaced him. Um if if and when Morelos goes, um, we, we will we will need to sign at least two strikers, I think, because there's not anything obvious. You couldn't rely on the all season. Uh, that wouldn't be fair. Um so yeah, I thought it was a lot of nonsense. Um, there you go. There's a long way of saying yes.
0: <laughs> uh, another thing I saw uh, in the, the, the sort of papers this week, David, Glenn Middleton's been sort of touted for a move to either Holland uh, and NEC Breda or Hibs. Now, I was I sort of raised my eyebrow to the Hibs thing considering the aforementioned Mr. Allen, Scott Allen, the whole thing that, that happened with him. I would be surprised if Rangers would be wanting to do any dealings with Hibs. Well,
2: um... I don't know what would be best for his development. I thought he, he, he was okay last season, but I think he sort of got found out. Reminded me of Greg Wilde actually. In some
0: yeah, I, I see where you're going there.
2: Um, just to sort of kick it and run and try and get it in the box. He needs to add a wee bit more to your game, I think. So, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't it wouldn't overly concern me if he went to Hibs like in terms of that sort of thing because I just think if it's going to be good for his development, I'd like to think we're the sort of club that would say, you know, let's not get torn up about stuff. Too much. You know, I think we've got to be, a, you know, big boys over it and see if it's going to be the best for him and the best thing. And realistically, if he was playing for a, a sort of top four, top five club in the league where we are playing, it would probably be better for him than, than going to Holland sort of into the unknown a wee bit. Um, So, yeah, I I, I personally would have no concerns about him going to Hibbs, but I think he definitely needs that um, first-team experience just to develop his game, because at the moment he's he's a kind of one-trick pony.
0: Yeah, I'd agree. I think when he came in, he looked looked an exciting player, but uh, again, I just wonder if the expectation started to get to him a wee bit, you know, that what's required to play for Rangers, and as you say, became a a wee bit one-dimensional. I think a move away... Would suit them and would probably benefit them, but I'm not keen on hubs. I must admit, that but there we go. But anyway, guys, conscious of time now and yeah, that's us just over the hour. Uh so that's it. That's us for this week's episode of the Jair's Net Weekly podcast. The Independent Rangers podcast made by fans for fans. A big thanks to John and to David uh on his debut for their contributions tonight. Excellent stuff. We've got the game next week at Ibrox Park. We'll have a show out for that. We might have something live from Ibrox on the day. Uh, we're trying to get all that up and running at the moment, so we'll see how that works out. So we might do a wee quick pod from from Ibrox before the game on Saturday. In the meantime, get yourself on to and the forums at uk. And until the next time, bye for now.